0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
1: And a good Sunday morning to you. Welcome to Healthy Matters. We're around every Sunday in the 7.30 hour. Thanks to our good friends at Hennepin Healthcare. Dr. David Hilden, your host is here. Going to be another hot week, it looks like. It it is going to be a hot week. Have you had a good week, Danny? I've had a good week, yeah. yeah. I've been working all week. I'm going to go work right
2: after this, so... Um, we're we're broadcasting here from downtown Minneapolis, the beautiful canyons of downtown yes. Minneapolis. And I'm going to walk down the street and uh, go do a go do a shift in the hospital next.
1: We were talk I was talking earlier the early this morning about the show today. I've been really looking forward to this one. Not that I don't to the usual shows, but I really did this one. This right, right. This
2: is better than just having to talk to me every morning, huh, Danny? <laughs> I
1: didn't say that, <laughs> but maybe you can tell our listeners. And certainly we're gonna we're gonna chat, but we're gonna get the, our listeners involved. By phone and by text as we usually do too.
2: Absolutely. We're going to talk we're going to do a show like we've never done before. We're going to do a show on cardiac arrest and what happens when your heart stops and why it's so important that everyone listening, maybe, maybe everyone, consider learning how to do CPR. And that's going to be our take home message. That's the punchline. But we're going to get there in a very interesting way because we're going to talk to some two people who are considerably more knowledgeable about the topic than me. One is a person who has actually experienced a cardiac arrest, and she's going to tell her story. The second is Dr. Brad Barr, someone who's been on the show before, who is the um, director of our cardiology division, and he's he's a cardiologist, a heart doctor. And so we're going to talk about that really important topic. Um, But let me introduce our two guests, and um, the first one is Alicia Bravo. She is a registered nurse at Hennepin Healthcare. She's an emergency department nurse. And um, she is going to tell her story. So, But before I, um, before we do that, Alicia, thanks for being on the show.
0: so much for having me.
2: It's great to have you here. Um, you've worked at Hennepin. You're a registered nurse in the emergency department. Yes. How long have you been there?
0: I have been at Hennepin almost 16 years.
2: All of it in the ED or somewhere else?
0: Uh, I started out uh, at Hennepin in our surgical trauma neuroscience, just general floor unit, and then moved to the surgical intensive care unit. was there for three and a half years and have been in the emergency department for 11.
2: 11 years. Um, where are you from originally?
0: I'm from Cambridge, Wisconsin. It's a small town near Madison. I
2: didn't know there was a Cambridge, Wisconsin. Yeah. I know mean, there was a Cambridge, Minnesota in England.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's, It's interesting. There's Cambridges all over, but I'm just from the tiny, tiny, tiny town in Wisconsin. Okay, so yeah, I was like born
2: it. in Madison, so oh, I know a little bit of but it was a long time ago. Okay, so you're from Cambridge, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. What brought you to Minnesota? It was to get, away, get the heck away from Wisconsin? Was that the deal?
0: Well, actually, I wanted to work at a level one trauma center. So I'm a lifer at
2: Hennepin. Oh, that's fabulous. And she found um, the best one in the region. Um, so uh, it's next time you, if you have to go to the emergency department, maybe Alicia will be caring for you. Um, to her left in the studio this morning is Dr. Brad Bart. Thanks for being back on back the show, Dr. Bart. Good morning. Thanks a lot, Dave. Um, Dr. Bart's been on the show before. He is a cardiologist. He has... Um, uh, expertise in a variety of, um, cardiac issues, largely does a ton of research in heart failure. Um, he, he, um, does treatment for angina. That's chest pain, um, due to your heart getting all blocked up. He knows about therapeutic, um, hypothermia for the treatment of cardiac arrest. And we'll talk about that. And, um, and he is, uh, the administrative leader of our cardiology division. So, um, he's got a wealth of information. When was the last time you were on the show, Brad? You were on last year? It seems like it was longer. Was it longer uh, than now? that ago? But I had a good time. I'm looking forward to it today. All right. He's going to help us out with cardiac arrest. That's our topic. So why are we why do we have these two? Well, let's start with you, Alicia. You have a story to tell. Um, yes. And go ahead. Tell us what happened to you.
0: Okay. Well, last summer, July first, um, 2017, is when I had my cardiac arrest. I had been training for a triathlon, a new sport I had fallen in love with, and I was. Vacationing at my parents' home in Wisconsin, Cambridge. And I was at the lake where I grew up at Lake Ripley. And that morning, um, my whole family was there and I decided I was going to swim across the lake and run home. And so I asked my dad if he could just trail me in the, in the lake because I didn't want to get hit by a boat. (laughs) Right. So my dad, my sister, my brother in law, my youngest son, my three nieces were all on the boat. Uh, with my dad trailing me because it was supposed to be this fun vacation morning. And about five minutes into my swim, I stopped abruptly for no reason and looked at my dad and like said the word help. And he threw me a flotation device, and I didn't go after it. He knew I was in trouble because I wasn't moving, and so my he yelled at my sister to go get me, and she swam to me and the flotation device that was right next to me. And she said I whispered the word breathe two times to her before going limp. And she swam my lifeless body back to the boat. My dad hoisted me out of the boat realizing I didn't have a pulse and I wasn't breathing. And he immediately started CPR on me. In the boat? In the boat. (laughs) In front of all of my family.
2: And they all happened to be there?
0: Yes. So my sister swam the boat back to the dock, my dad doing CPR the whole time. And, um, the boat, it was before wake time. All of you lake people, you know that a boat going, making wake before time gets the attention of the boat police that was on the lake. So he zooms over to Buster for making wake and suddenly hears the 911 call at the same time. And luckily he met my dad at the dock and he tied his boat up to the dock too, started CPR. Um, my husband was assisting. One of our neighbors that my parents' neighbors is on the fire department came down, and um, he had a mask with him, so he started giving me some breaths also. And I had CPR for about 10 to 15 minutes before EMS got there.
2: With all these various people. So the, yeah. the, it started with your father, your family members, mm-hmm. people just on the scene. Did your dad know um, how to do that? Had he, had he been trained in that, or did he just kind of give it his best shot?
0: So my father has been a ski patrol for 31 years, so he um, knew how to do CPR. But my husband, who did CPR on me, did not know how to do CPR. He says he hasn't taken it since high school. And he will say he just did what my dad did. He just was pushing hard and as fast as he could. And the boat police obviously knew how to do CPR. But, um, yeah, I was really, really lucky.
2: So – in 10 to 15 minutes, um, EMS showed up. Then what happened?
0: Yes. So I was still on the end of the dock. I was still on the boat, actually. Um, and our dock is really long and narrow. So they put me on a backboard, and they had have a device called the Lucas machine, which gives perfect compressions, automated uh, compressions, automatic compressions. And they put me on that while I was on the backboard so they could carry me up the stairway. Otherwise, it would have been like a good five minutes with no CPR. So they decided to put the Lucas on me and get me off of the wet metal dock before they brought me to dry land. And then they, they put a defibrillator on me and I was in ventricular fibrillation. And they gave me one shock and I re, had a return of spontaneous circulation.
2: So your heart, you definitely you had a cardiac arrest in the middle of Lake Ripley.
0: I had a cardiac arrest at 37 years old in the middle of Lake Ripley.
2: Wow. And that was just a year ago.
0: One year ago. it was a
2: year and six days ago or something <laughs> like that.
0: Yep. Yesterday was the year anniversary of me getting out of the hospital. So it was.
2: So um, did, there's, I have about a 50 or 60 different things I want to ask <laughs> you about that. Um, first of all, had you? Did, well, let's, let's finish it up, though. Where did you go from there and what, what kind of cares did you need after
0: that? Yes. Yeah, so I went to St. Mary's um, Hospital in Madison, Wisconsin. And I was put into therapeutic hypothermia uh, um, and then rewarmed, and Dr. Bart will probably touch on that later. And then I woke up, and I had no idea why this had happened to me, and the physicians had a suspicion as to why this had happened to me. I did not have a heart attack, Um, and so they thought I had a syndrome called long QT syndrome, and that was further diagnosed in October. Um. So, I treatment for long QT syndrome is an ICD, so a a defibrillator, and uh, being on a medication to help my heart not go so fast.
2: So, you got that defibrillator placed? Yes, I have my
0: defibrillator, and I'm on a beta blocker.
2: Wow. So, did you uh, you were training for a triathlon? So, I'm going to assume that you're in pretty good physical shape prior to this. Uh,
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm not, you know.
2: A lot an of elite choose-
0: athlete, but I. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but you were going to swim across yeah, the lake and then run home. That was, isn't what yeah. most people do on their early morning hours. So you were in pretty good shape. Had you had any knowledge ahead of time that you had a heart condition,
0: basically? No, I had no idea that we did not have any familial um, sudden cardiac arrests in our family prior to me having an arrest. Um, just some general, you know, high blood pressure, things mm-hmm. like that. My grandfather had a heart attack when he was in his 60s.
2: How have you been since in the year?
0: I have been great. Uh it's been amazing to recover and kind of get back to normal. Uh, I can't swim, which has been Kind of difficult. That was my passion uh, of exercise, but I've been on my bike. Um, I'm running. I'm, you know, doing some high intensity stuff.
2: Did the doctors all say that was okay for you to do all that yeah, stuff? Yeah.
0: If Dr. Sangupta is listening, it's medium intensity. <laughs> I call it MIT and not hit.
2: <laughs> <laughs> You're not doing the hit training, which is all the rage now. She's doing medium intensity. Yeah. How quickly after your cardiac arrest and all this went down, were you back to doing things like that, exercising?
0: Um, I, st- well, they wanted me to do cardiac rehab, not to learn how to exercise, but how not to exercise. So I did cardiac rehab pretty quick. I was in the gym. I think on like July 22nd, I was back doing cardiac rehab. Um, three weeks after your arrest. Yeah, yeah.
2: So,
0: <laughs> so
3: Danny,
2: I'm looking. At, <laughs> you were back, you know, exercising to some yeah. degree just three weeks oh, after after yep. dying in a lake, essentially. Basically, yeah. yeah. We're going to talk a lot more about this with Alicia, her experiences. We're going to talk to Dr. Brad Bart a little bit about what happened. And, and, and again, one of our biggest messages is going to be why you ought to learn how to do CPR.
1: And we're going to talk about what that involves coming up. Very good. Uh, and we'll also get you involved uh, by phone and by text as usual. Let me just give you the phone number and the text number. 651 989 9226, the phone, or send a text 81807. We're already receiving some of those. This is Healthy Matters on this Sunday morning on CCO 71 degrees, heading for 90. And welcome back to Healthy Matters on this Sunday morning. And here again is Dr. David Hilde. So we've just heard um, one of the more. Um,
2: uh startling stories I've heard in a long time from the person who experienced it. Alicia told us her story of her cardiac arrest while swimming in um, in uh, Cambridge, Wisconsin, and how her family, basically her dad, her sister, her husband saved her life with CPR, and she had a cardiac arrest. I'm going to get back to a lot more from Alicia herself. Dr. Bart, I want to ask you, she had a cardiac arrest while swimming. She used the words ventricular fibrillation. What is that? And if you could distinguish that from a heart attack, we actually have a text message asking that question.
3: Yeah. um, So a cardiac arrest is when the pumping function of the heart stops. So the the function of the heart is arrested. Uh, So when the heart stops pumping, there's no oxygen getting anywhere. And you know, you can only stay conscious for about 10 seconds uh, without oxygen and uh, things rapidly go down from there. So when the heart stops beating, you rapidly lose consciousness, and if nothing else happens, you know it'll be fatal. Now, the difference between a cardiac arrest and a heart attack is important. A heart attack is caused by a blockage in the blood vessel of the heart, and it can cause damage to the heart muscle. It can cause pain. Sometimes it can cause a cardiac arrest, but not every time. So a heart attack can cause a cardiac arrest, But a cardiac arrest is not the same thing as a heart attack. So Alicia had an electrical problem in her heart. That's right. It's an electrical problem. So there's uh, the heart beats every every moment. You know, usually seventy or eighty times a minute, and it's all run by an electrical system in the heart. And when the electrical activity of the heart becomes disrupted in some way, especially when it involves the bottom pumping chambers of the heart, that can be ventricular tachycardia or ventricular fibrillation. And when that happens, the pumping function ceases and people collapse.
2: It seems, um, um, the number of things that happened to Alicia to, to allow her to, um, Three weeks later, you were back to exercising or at least doing cardiac yep. rehab. You're back to your job as a nurse. You're here on a radio station talking about it just a year later. And you, and for those of us who are here with you, you look like you did just fine with that. There's a few things that allowed that to happen. I think a, a lot of, um, uh, a lot of events, and we're going to talk about some of those in the second half of the show. But a few of the biggest things that allowed that to happen was somebody did CPR. Somebody shocked her heart. There's at least two things. Can we talk about either one of you? Um, let's talk about why that's so. Why it's so important. Let's start with the actual CPR. Alicia, maybe you can start. Why is that so important? And then then Dr. Bart will have you tell us why is the electricity so important.
0: Sure. So immediate CPR is important so we can deliver oxygen to our body and our brain specifically. Um, I kind of refer to it as being someone's heartbeat. You are. When you're performing someone are you, performing CPR, you are being someone's heartbeat. You are giving them oxygen. You're acting as their heart because it's non-functioning for them right now. Um, and when you do CPR now, uh, for bystanders, it's so important to know that you do not need to do mouth-to-mouth anymore. It's strictly just hands only. You want to push hard and fast and push to the beat of the song by the Bee Gees Staying Alive. So don't be afraid. You do not need to give mouth-to-mouth anymore if you're a bystander.
2: So, and you just, um, I, I like, we use the a Alive thing a lot. Um, the point of that is that it's fast, Yes, right? about
0: 100 to 120 beats per minute is where you want to be. And you want to push down to a, ch- a depth of about two inches into their chest.
2: So, um, let's say, you know, people, I remember the old courses that you had to take in CPR. And they were like taking a class. There were tests and all that. And it seems like there was a lot to remember, Mm -hmm. And it it sounds like to me that the main – there might still be a good way and a bad way to do it. But the main point being is you have to do it fast and you have to do it deeper than many people think. And the
0: main point is to do something, right? Well, that's a good point. Something is better than nothing. So if you're just attempting to do CPR, you're giving them a chance versus – being scared and being like, "Gosh, I really don't know this person, and I'm not sure I want to give them mouth to mouth, or I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to do."
2: Paralyzed by fear. Yes, and sort that's of.
0: such a common thing, and it is scary. I mean, I've done CPR multiple times being a nurse, and luckily I just jump in and do it. But there's times where it's like, do they do they have a pulse? I'm like, sure, let's just do it. You're not going to hurt anybody. If they need CPR, because they're dead, so you're not going to hurt a dead person, you are going to help them, giving them any chance you can get. Uh, you want to call 911 first right away as a bystander because you aren't going to be able to do CPR for a prolonged period of time. It's very tiring. So steps. Call 911. Do something. Start CPR. Push hard and fast. And don't give them mouth to mouth. Emergency personnel will come and they'll take care of that.
2: So th-
0: that happened.
2: On Lake Ripley, to you, your dad, your husband, did something. Yes. They, they, they pushed hard on your chest and kept your pulse going for
0: 10 minutes, did you say? Yeah, it was like 10 to 15 minutes. Mm-hmm.
2: So that's a... Long long time time for CPR. Those of us who are living, you know, in the hospital, if we haven't got that defibrillator on you in a few minutes, we think it's a long time. Mm -hmm. Ten to fifteen minutes is a long time. Long time where your husband and your dad and uh, where your where your pulse. Then somebody came and did a defibrillator. So two of the three things that needed to happen did. Nine one one was called. Someone was doing CPR. The third thing, you got an electrical
3: shock. Doctor Bart, maybe you could tell us on that. Why is electrical shock important? It helps resynchronize the electrical activity in the heart. So if the electrical activity in the heart is uh, disorganized and you're in ventricular fibrillation like Alicia was, then a shock of electricity can get everything lined up again electrically to restore a normal heartbeat. And it's so important to do this fast because once someone's heart stops beating, within three or four minutes, there's really irreversible damage. And So if you get CPR started 10, 15, 20 minutes after the cardiac arrest, it's too late. You really need to get it started right away within the first minute if you have a chance of saving the person and that's what happened with Alicia. She got it right away immediately because even a four-minute delay can make all the difference in whether someone can survive or not.
2: How long do you think that you were that you were in a lake swimming? So your mm-hmm. sister jumps in, pulls you into the boat. How long do you think it was before someone, before your dad or your sister were doing CPR?
0: They thought it was really pretty quick because I did whisper to my sister. So I, at that point, most likely still had, I mean, I did have a pulse at that point. And then I went limp and they thought it was within 30 to 45 seconds. Um, so
2: as Dr. Bart said, yeah, so you had really some semblance of a pulse through CPR within the first 30 to 60 seconds. And then the EMS people brought a defibrillator. So Dr. Bart tell us what, we, we see these all over the place. I was in a, um, um, uh, a church yesterday at a funeral and I saw an AED on the wall.
3: What is that? These AEDs save lives and they're all over the place in the grocery stores, in the airports, in the shopping malls. And it's a box that anybody can operate. These are not meant to be for medical experts. It's supposed to be for everybody. If you open up the box, there's an on button and that's all you have to know. You push the on button and a voice starts talking to you, telling you exactly what to do. And it will tell you to put these stickers on the patient's chest and it will show you exactly where to do it. The stickers go on the chest and the uh, box will analyze the heart rhythm. And if there's no heart rhythm, this box will charge up its batteries and deliver a shock to the heart that can actually get things started up again and save somebody's lives. So that's the third thing that happened to you on the dock
0: Uh, or close to it. (laughs) Up on the dry land, yes.
2: All right. We, we have a lot more to talk about in the second half of the show, um, and uh, we are talking about cardiac arrest today, and um, we will be back. We'll talk about more about CPR. We'll talk a little bit more about the experience on that Wisconsin
1: lake um, after the break. Very good. We'll do that. Another half hour of the show to go. 651-989-9226. Uh, Text number, by the way, is 81807. Another hot day, another hot week here in the Twin Cities. Right now, 71 degrees, uh, going for 90 later. And good morning. Welcome to this portion of uh, Healthy Matters on this Sunday morning. Your host, Dr. David Hilden. And and, uh, Dr. Hilden, for those that have joined us a little bit late, they missed a great first half of the show. You for did. Sure. You're going
2: to want to tune in for yeah. the second half. Welcome, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. The show wouldn't work if no one tuned in. So thank you for tuning in. I have a couple of announcements. The first thing, before we get into the topic, the first announcement is about our Here for Health Community Education Series. If you've been listening to the shows in um, the last month or two, you know that we kicked off the Here for Health series with our live Decade with Dave show that from the Clinic and Specialty Center Atrium. Well, now we're getting into the meat and potatoes of it. We're doing our 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 community um, health sessions. The first one is this coming Thursday, July 12th. There, there will be two topics. I will be giving a brief presentation on how to live to 100 or die trying, and second, um, we're going to have the ins and outs of digestive health. And don't blame me for that, that name. It wasn't mine. And Dr. Jake Matlock is going to join us. He's a gastroenterologist and he's going to do a hands-on um, session on on what happens when you have to get a colonoscopy or an endoscopy. And he's going to have some of the equipment there that you can get your hands on, maybe um, play with the equipment. I think he's going to even try to do a simulated endoscopy on a mannequin. It's going to be really cool. And if you have to go into the endoscopy lab of a clinic, you want to do it when you're drinking coffee and you've got a guy teaching you about it. It's better than doing it on the gurney when your rear end's hanging out. So, you know, this is a, um, this will be a fun session. It is darn near full, but we have a few seats available. And, um, we still have a few of the Decade with Dave commemorative coffee mugs. We're going to give away those while supply lasts. So that's our first session. It's this Thursday from five to seven PM at Hennepin Healthcare's Clinic and Specialty Center, right there on the first floor in the, in the Thomas Stillman Community Room. Parking is free. Somehow or other, I convinced the parking people to just open the gate. So the parking's free. The coffee's free. The, the socialization is free. The social event, it's all free, but you got to register. So go to HennepinHealthcare.org slash here for health and use the numeral four here for health to sign up. If you, if you can't make that one, we have two other sessions. There's another one coming up in um August, and then there's another one coming up in September. Those are on August eleventh and September 15th. Those are Saturday morning sessions. We're going to talk about skin care, acupuncture, women's heart health. There's going to be um rehab. There's going to be a lot more topics so you can register for those sessions as well at hennepinhealthcare.org slash here for health. The second announcement is, um, the blog site, myhealthymatters.org. I have put up two separate posts, um, featuring Dr. Laura Lefebvre, our endocrinologist, um, to recap diabetes. Um, hundreds of folks have looked at those and the most recent one just since yesterday. So you might want to check that out. That's at myhealthymatters.org. Okay. Enough of those items. Back to our topic, which is cardiac arrest. If you missed the first half of the show, you missed the, um, fascinating and, and really, um, uh, uh, a harrowing story of Alicia Bravo. She is a nurse at Hennepin. She's been with us for 16 years. She is an emergency department nurse who routinely in her job has to care for people in an emergency who have had trauma, who have a medical emergency, who have had a cardiac arrest. And she indeed has had to do CPR on people and she has had to um, help save people's lives. Well, a year ago, she just about died in a lake. <laughs> Yeah, you know, she's sitting right here on my right next to me. I said, Well, it's the truth. And she had a cardiac arrest while training for a triathlon. She told that story in the first half of the show. If you could briefly just recap that story and then what is the message about learning how to do CPR?
0: Yes. Thank you all for listening. Uh, last July 1st, I was swimming in a lake and I went into cardiac arrest. Uh, my sister got me out of the water and my dad immediately started CPR along with um, boat police and my husband for about 10 to 15 minutes before EMS arrived and uh, did additional CPR with the Lucas machine and then shocked me out of ventricular fibrillation.
2: So you had ventricular fibrillation while swimming. You we're a healthy person. You we're training for a triathlon, and it happened to you. Um, there's a, during the break, we were talking about a lot of the what-ifs. There's a lot of things that had happened there, um, and some of the most important things are what people did quickly. Yes. What, what happened quickly that saved your life?
0: Uh, What happened quickly was the immediate start of CPR um, and then obviously the 911 call and then getting my heart shocked out of the ventricular fibrillation.
2: You have taken it upon yourself then to spread the news about why doing CPR is so important.
0: Yes, it is my passion in life now. I didn't know this was going to be where I was headed, but I have just found out. Out how many people do not know how to do CPR or are afraid of doing CPR. Um, so I really want to spread the word on bystander CPR for teens and adults is very simple. You do something you call 911 you push hard and you push fast and you try to get an AED as soon as possible. They are in all of our public places most school all schools have them. Um, you will be surprised. Where they're at, I, I kind of become obsessed when I go into a store. I'm like, "Where's their AED? Just because I want to make sure they have one. And most places do, they're not too expensive, so a lot of companies and corporations have had those. Um, early defibrillation and immediate CPR increases chance of survival. And it is so important. We need more survivors.
2: When you have been going out talking to people, which you, you've you done over mm-hmm. this past year, and tell your story, are you finding that a lot of people know how to do CPR or, or are you finding that people are uncomfortable with it?
0: Um, I'm finding that people have learned CPR in their past, but they're not quite sure how to do it. So they're not quite sure what they should do. And so I just tell them, it's just simple. You don't need to do mouth-to-mouth anymore. It's just pushing hard and pushing fast on the chest for bystanders. EMS will come and they'll do the, all the airway stuff. The most important thing is doing something, being brave, stepping in there, being Doing something, calling 911. If you're an unable person to do CPR, then flag someone else down and have them help you. Just do something.
2: Have you talked to your dad or your husband? Obviously, you have. Um, your husband, your dad, your family, your sister about what they were thinking at the time. Because they're the ones who, who did yeah. it. Yeah.
0: So my dad said he just did it. Like he, there was no other thought. He just realized they didn't have a pulse and, um, and I wasn't breathing, so he just started CPR. My husband hadn't done CPR since he took it in high school. And yesterday was his 42nd birthday, so that dates on him. <laughs> um, but So he just followed the lead of my father. And I think it's important to know that if you don't know how to do it, you can do it. Anyone can do it. And if you really can't do it from a physical standpoint, limitations, find someone that can do it. Call 911. Be brave. Do something.
2: So you mentioned the word Lucas device, Doctor Bart. Maybe you could tell us what that is, because so Lu- that was put yeah. on Alicia yeah.
3: um, on on the land when the EMS came. What is it? Yeah, it's a way of doing CPR. So when a person does CPR, you're pushing hard and fast with with your hands on someone's chest, right on their breastbone. Um, it's exhausting, and some people uh, aren't strong enough to deliver CPR effectively. This Lucas device is a machine. That will deliver CPR in a predictable way Um, and the machine never gets tired. So the machine can deliver CPR as long as you need to to transport the patient uh, to a hospital.
2: Is it true that whoever invented the Lucas device was inspired by a toilet plunger? (laughs) Have you, either of you heard that?
0: Well, the, the, one of the first devices actually did look like a toilet plunger. Yeah, it
2: pushes down yeah. and then it kind of sucks it back up because part of the deal with CPR is that you have to push hard and you have to push fast, but yours, it's good if, if you
3: let the, the recoil happen, let the chest mm-hmm. open up, right? Need to fill. Right. The recoil is really important. The heart's a pump. And when you push down on the chest, you're squeezing the heart between the breastbone and the back. So you squeeze blood out when you push down. But when you release, the ribs have sort of a recoil effect. And that recoil pulls fresh blood back into the heart to get ready for the next compression.
2: So the Lucas device is very good at doing that. Do we have those in our ambulances and all that?
0: Yes. Every ambulance. We have multiple in our hospital.
2: Okay. So – Here's a, here's one of the one ifs with you. You are in Cambridge, Wisconsin. You've made this sound like it's not exactly <laughs> Gotham City. It's a little bit. Uh, it's a little bit remote. They had a Lucas device, and why <laughs> did they have one? Uh,
0: yes. Uh. So Cambridge is a very small town. It's uh, primarily a volunteer EMS community, so they rely on a lot of fundraisers and fundraising to buy their medical equipment. Um, Bob Saloff is the director of Cambridge EMS, and he had he's always on top of all the new equipment and technology. So he had heard of the Lucas and really wanted to get one for the Cambridge community. So every year they do a fundraiser. Uh It's called the cannonball run and it's their big fundraiser. It's a 5k or a 10k. And they, in 2016 were raising money because they wanted to buy a Lucas machine. And I'm from Cambridge and I happened to be home that weekend. And I was like, Oh, this is cool. They're going to get a Lucas. Like, Obviously, I want them to have one because I use them every day at work, and how great is this? This was before my, your this arrest. This was before my arrest. My parents live here. <laughs> if they ever have an arrest, they're going to need this machine. Well, I ran the race, and uh, they got ended up getting enough money for two Lucases, and almost exactly a year later, they used that machine on me.
2: So, you were part of the fundraiser a year before because you just thought it was a good thing. It's good for the community. Yes. I bet you didn't think
1: that I might be one of the people that needs this.
0: Never would I ever think that. (laughs) What a story.
1: Let's take a quick break. We have more show to come here on CCO on Healthy Matters. Uh, in the Twin Cities, uh, current temperature reading 74 degrees, going for 90 later today. Back to more Healthy Matters. Here again is Dr. Hilden. We're talking about cardiac arrest, and um, we've talked to Alicia
2: about her story, and we, we just got done talking about the Lucas device. I want to go back to CPR because that's what I hope the main message of this show is, that you call 911, that you do CPR, and that you find an AED for the defibrillator. Those are the three things. But a lot of people remember the old courses that you had to take about learning to do CPR. And it seemed like there was a hundred different steps and all that. Um, what are some, we have a new way to teach people, um, uh, how to do CPR if you happen to be downtown. Dr. Bart, you want to tell us about the kiosk?
3: Yes, we are fortunate enough to have a CPR training kiosk, and it teaches people how to do what they call hands-only CPR, and that's just what we've been talking about here today, is you don't have to do the whole mouth-to-mouth resuscitation part. It's just pressing hard on a patient's chest, hard and fast, and it's like a it's like a video machine or something. It's a video machine kiosk that actually has a, a dummy, on it a a model of a chest and you can actually put your hands on that model and do chest compressions and the video screen will walk you through how to do it and it'll tell you if your hands are in the right place and it'll tell you if you're pushing hard enough and fast enough and it gives you immediate feedback so that you know that the quality of your CPR is is adequate and it's so helpful because even people who have taken a CPR course, they might not have gotten that feedback and and had a chance to actually practice it. And you can practice it on a a model chest, and it'll tell you if you're doing it right. Where's the kiosk? So if you go to our new clinical specialty building uh, on 8th Street, if you go up the stairs to the second floor, you cross this Skyway, it's a beautiful Skyway, beautiful building, On the other side of the Skyway, on the second floor of the Red Building, you'll find the kiosk.
2: This thing's free. So if you're in downtown Minneapolis someday or if you're down on the Hennepin campus, even if you're not, just go into our clinic and specialty center at Athan Park right in between Park and Chicago. Second floor across the Skyway, and it's there. It's free. It's there. It's always open. And you can try CPR. If you're coming to our uh, session on Thursday night, I will tell you about it. But that's a great way to learn. Alicia, somebody um, asked the question, where do you put your hands
0: So you want to put your hands right on the breastbone, so the sternum. Uh, Anatomically speaking, like the mid-nipple line of the chest. And you want to place your hands, the heel of one hand on the chest and then your other hand on top of it. You want your arms, if you can, to be straight so that you'll get the most power and push down.
2: So lean over the person, push down with straight arms with Mm -hmm. the heel of your hand.
0: And you want to make sure that you let your arms rise or you're not – keep your hands on the chest, but you want to let the chest rise between each compression. We call that recoil. Dr. Bart explained that earlier with the the pump filling.
2: So why? Part. what is the relevance of the Bee Gees?
0: The Bee Gees has the perfect beat. I had – they probably didn't even that's know a they were That's a sentence that's maybe
2: never been said before. The yeah. Bee Gees have the perfect beat.
0: Yeah, for CPR. It's a rate of 100 to 120 beats per minute and – they picked the greatest words,
2: staying alive. Dun, 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 dun staying alive, staying alive. It. Is that it? Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Hey, what are you Very doing? Very good. good,
2: yes. <laughs> all right, that was my singing debut, but I think I did it too slow. You, dun, yeah. dun, 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 dun staying alive, staying alive. Is that about it? One, mm, mm, That's mm. about it? Yeah. yeah. So it's faster than you think, and you push it down a little farther than you think. Now, yeah. while we were getting coffee before the show, you told us about some of your rationale about um, we all want to save the world.
0: Say more about that. (laughs) So when I woke up, I – first of all, I had like freaked out because why did this happen to me? And then I thought, okay, this happened to me for the worst thing – reason. like we all say, oh, it happens for a reason. But this really did happen to me for a reason and I've found that I want to save the world. That's pretty big, right? Right. So – If I can use my story to inspire someone to learn CPR, inspire all of you listeners to learn CPR and potentially save someone's life, I'm basically saving that person's world. So I can, we can save someone's world just by saving their life and trying to do CPR and doing CPR. So listeners, please learn CPR and how to use an AED and don't be afraid of those machines.
2: I like that message. Don't be afraid. And you truly can change the world. You can save the world one person at a time. If you missed this story, um, we're going to, we're running out of time here. I will put, it's available by podcast. Go to myhealthymatters.org and you can listen to Alicia's story. If you're tuning in late and you, and you missed it or you want to hear it again, I will put a post on myhealthymatters.org in the coming week. Um, uh, we'll put some pictures from the studio. I'll uh, interview Alicia a little bit more, and that'll go on the blog post, myhealthymatters.org. Dr. Brad Bart, Alicia Bravo, thank you both for being here. Thank Thank you. Thank you so much. And um, we've been talking about cardiac arrest. Next week, we're going to do an open line show, Danny.
1: Another open line show. And if you uh, need to get in touch with a doc, if you don't even have a primary
2: Check us out at hennepinhealthcare.org. You can always call us at 612-873-6963.
1: Thanks very much for joining us. Stay tuned next for Your Money here on CCO in the Twin Cities, 74.